0: I welcome you all to yet another interesting episode of the ZDP Shots, a special segment from the podcast vertical of the Economics Department of Miranda House. Recently, a KPMG report stated that India is among the fastest growing economies with a growth rate of 7.7% in 2023. Ever wondered why?
1: India has been constantly working on its credit, banking, education and labour policies to grow its economy, and move towards becoming a higher-income country. Economist at Morgan Stanley predicted that India is best positioned to generate robust domestic demand, helped by economic policy reforms, a young workforce, and business investments contributing about 28 and 22% to Asian and global growth, respectively. Lower corporate taxes, the PLI scheme, the 2019 corporate tax cut, and India as a potential beneficiary of supply chain diversification are expected to catalyze and sustain domestic demand, especially investment. The economy is all set for its best run in over a decade as pent-up demand is being unleashed. While India, like other economies, raised interest rates to battle inflation, the country's rupees budget for the current fiscal year has continued to tilt towards lifting public investment.
2: But at the same time, Asia's third-largest economy is struggling with persistently high unemployment and inflation which has been running above the top of the Reserve Bank of India's tolerance band all year, and is set to do so for the rest of 2022. Economists said that the solid growth rate marks how rapidly the economy was expected to slow in the coming months. According to Kunal Kundu, Indian economist at Society General, even as India remains the fastest-growing major economy, domestic consumption will perhaps not be strong enough to drive growth further as unemployment remains high and real wages are at a record low level. By supporting growth through investment, government has only fired on one engine, while forgetting about the impetus which domestic consumption provides. This is why India's growth is still below its pre-pandemic trend.
0: Now, talking about exports, earlier this year, India's exports crossed a record $400 billion for the financial year 2021 22 There was a strong 22% growth in exports compared to the previous quarter and this has been causing a buzz around macroeconomic circles about India becoming an export-oriented economy. Also one strong argument is that when the global demand is not so strong as we can see at present, we need strong domestic consumption and investment. But can it make up for the poor exports?
1: So, if we look at India's overall growth composition and compare it with, say, East Asian countries or, say, China, we could see that we have never been an export-oriented growth economy. If we we'll gaze at our exports as a share of GDP, we can notice that it peaked at 25% in 2013-14. And since then, it has been coming down steeply. So, exports did contribute to high GDP growth during the high growth period, that is, till 2008. But since then, exports have slowed down. And given the fact that now there is a wave of protectionism, deglobalization, raising tariffs, export ban, so despite depreciation, there is little that can be done further to improve exports.
0: Exports growth slowed down in July this year and then there was a 1.2% contraction in August. It was the first time India's exports had contracted in 18 months while imports have been growing tremendously due to strong domestic demand and thus leading to imbalance between exports. And imports. The global economic outlook appears bleak, with growth in the two largest economies likely to slow down. The US is already in a technical recession. On the other hand, economic activity in China has slowed down significantly owing to its zero COVID policy and slump in the real estate sector. As an outcome, Indian exports to China tipped by a third. I repeat, tipped by a third in April, August. As compared to the same period last year.
2: If we look at our exchange rate in comparison to other countries' exchange rates, we need to look at something called a real effective exchange rate mechanism. It is a country's export competitiveness to other countries' currency strength. And there, we see that despite the rupee being depreciated, India's currency is still overvalued. Now, do we see what is limiting our exports? Also, the government imposing duties on certain sectors could be the potential reason for making our exports less competitive. And that is a part of what we are seeing globally as many countries are moving towards these protectionist policies, where they are trying to first look at enhancing their domestic supply measures.
0: On the other hand, our imports are also becoming costly. But for analysing it, we need to see what is the transmission of imported inflation to overall inflation. It means how much the imported inflation is contributing to the overall inflation in our economy, which according to RBI estimates is just 8 to 10 basis points. So if that's the case, it makes sense to gradually depreciate the rupee as it will make our exports competitive and given that we still have a considerable proportion of our exports as labor intensive, this will help in creating jobs, thus leading to employment driven growth. Thus. This is a trade-off that policy makers have to look at. But given the fact that imported inflation is not the main driver of inflation, depreciation will be interesting to study as in real terms, we are still overvalued.
1: Now, coming a step forward, while well, we can notice that the rupee has recently weakened. The pace of depreciation has been much lower than in some of the other emerging economies. Another key point to argue is the expediting of free trade agreements. India is negotiating a lot of FTAs, as they call them, but India has also stayed out of some like RCEP and IPEF. These are all medium-term goals and they are all driven by political compulsion, but experience shows that smaller countries can gain more from FTAs than bigger countries like India. Our own experience with ASEAN and other countries shows that India has not gained immensely, but given the fact that there is now a resurgence of the way towards signing free trade agreements, it's a welcome step that the government is making some move towards that. But even if India achieves to be the fastest growing economy in the world, the real question which remains is how will this growth be impacting a common person? It is
2: well documented that for several years, the single most important demand of people in India is jobs. Specifically, a high-quality formal sector job that ensures dignity of work, good income, and job security. It is then apparent that GDP growth matters to the average Indian only if it can generate good quality jobs and incomes for them. Using data on employment in public and organised private sectors, published by the Reserve Bank of India, we can calculate that in the decade between 1980 and 1990, every 1% percentage point of GDP growth generated roughly 2 lakh new jobs in the formal sector.
0: We can calculate that in the decade between 1980 and 1990, Every one percentage point of GDP growth generated roughly 2 lakh new jobs in the formal sector. In the subsequent decade from 1990 to 2000, every one percentage point of GDP growth yielded roughly 1 lakh new formal sector jobs, half of the previous decade. In the next decade between 2000 and 2010, one percentage point of GDP growth generated only 52,000 new jobs. One can safely infer using proxy data that in the previous decade, the number of new jobs generated for every percentage of GDP growth fell even further. In a sense, 1% of GDP growth today yields less than one-fourth the number of good quality jobs that it did in the 1980s.
1: To put it differently, India's GDP growth today has to be four times its GDP growth in the 1980s to produce the same number of formal sector jobs. This high GDP growth now does not necessarily mean more jobs and incomes for people. And GDP growth does not impact the common person today as much as it perhaps did four decades ago. It may be an important economic measure, but it is becoming increasingly irrelevant as a political measure since it impacts only a selected few and not the vast majority. So concluding,
2: there is a need to look at other drivers of growth as well and particularly in India, where consumption and investment are the mainstays of GDP, because by themselves export cannot be the only driver of growth in the current global situation, and it could act as an impediment to India achieving a tag of the fastest-growing economy by 2023.